All right, guys. Thank you for joining me. Uh, this is episode 35 of Fumble Podcast. I'm your host, Pej. Make sure you uh, hit the subscribe button um, so you can, you won't miss any uh, future episodes and content. Uh, it's my distinct honor today to have a very special guest with you guys. Um, she is the host of Fret Not Pod. Um, I actually was just listening to her last episode uh, with Evan Toucher. Um, more importantly than that, she is a master guitarist, classical guitarist. Um, I had reached out to her to, uh, to see if she would uh, honor me to be on uh, my podcast because I have plenty of questions about her career. <laughs> uh, without further ado, it's uh, Rosie Bennett. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Yes, um, I appreciate it. I guess my first question for you is um, what, and it's probably a cliche question, you've heard it a million times, but what, what was your uh, first experience with the guitar? Um, it's a really good question. It is something I get asked a lot. But um, I think I have an answer that resonates with a lot of people, which is that it, it was mainly just coincidence. And I was so young that I can't really remember any lightning bolt moment. There was no moment of me picking it up and thinking, this is it. I found the thing I'm good at. I just started playing. And after a while, I thought, yeah, I could see myself doing this. Um, I think when you're a kid... You don't have a lot of um, propulsion towards anything. It's just yeah. everything is fine. And guitar was fine for me. So um, <laughs> that's why I'm still here. <laughs> oh, that's, that's um, I think I can relate as far as uh, being a kid and figuring out our lanes. Um, but was guitar the first musical instrument you uh discovered or was there other instruments as well and then you kind of eliminated the others and stuck with guitar that's like another good question guitar uh well i started with guitar okay. um and i've always stuck by guitar i always played classical i never started with anything else a lot of people make that move from electric or acoustic to classical or the other way around mm -hmm. um i started with classical and i stayed there um I also because I didn't really know a lot of other instruments when I was younger. Guitars are always there. It's something, um, it's odd, isn't it? Almost everybody has a guitar at home, even if nobody in the family plays one. Um, <laughs> that's it's true. It's very easy to get your hands on a guitar, that's for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. They're almost, there's a guitar in almost every home. Uh, <laughs> so that's, uh, as far as you uh, discovering the guitar and you mentioned it was fine and um, you just decided to continue on and pursue it professionally at at one point. Um, had you had any influences within your uh, household or even extended family that were musicians? Not at all. When I first started um, it's actually something I've been talking about very recently, this sort of a little bit of a class divide in classical music, especially in the UK. Um, I, I didn't used to have any relatives who played music. My mum took up piano uh, okay. uh, recently, actually, the last six years, I think, and she's quite good at it as well. Oh. Uh, she has um, something in her. But no, I, I didn't really grow up with a lot of musical influence. It was good for a number of reasons. It was um, difficult in others. I think one of the things that you struggle with, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a worse player, but it's quite difficult to imagine what you can do with music if you don't mm. grow up around it. So if you don't mm. see people who play concerts or if you don't go and listen to concerts, that was something I'd never done pre-playing guitar. So the first concert I went to was my own. <laughs> wow um, you know little things like that it's um, just a strange difference I guess yeah. um, 
I don't think it's held me back in any way, only that I felt, maybe I felt when I was younger that it did. I, I started taking guitar seriously quite young, so around 10 or 11, I started playing when I was seven, hmm. and around 10, that was the time when I decided I'm going to go to music school, I think this is what I want to do, um, with no other thing in mind it wasn't the dream of I want to be on stage or mm-hmm. I didn't think oh, I'm particularly good at this but I just I had a f- you know sometimes in your life you have a feeling around something and you think I have to do that and I, I don't know why yeah. that I did have I had this it, first real compulsion in my tiny head that I mm-hmm. thought I, I think I really have to go to that school I think I really have to do this um, uh-huh. and so it left me having not had any experience of knowing what I would do with it eventually, mm-hmm. not really working towards anything, but just being in it and being excited by it. Um, it did leave me with a lot of feelings that I found quite difficult through my teenage years because mm-hmm. I I felt like I was working as hard as possible, throwing as much coal on the fire as possible, but um, not really knowing where the train's going. Yeah, um, And that made it, slightly difficult um Mm -hmm. i think now i can appreciate a little bit more that it's also given me a sort of a wider idea of what i can do with it and it meant that my journey of learning has really been my own Mm. um so i guess i don't regret anything about it but in answer to your question a long-winded answer but um no none of my family um yeah none of my family musicians (laughs) it's uh no it's a beautiful response um i would I would say, as you were mentioning, your teenage years, you met some challenges uh, as you were uh, continuing to pursue this passion. I, I, I would say we, we can call it that at, at that point, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't yet maybe a career at that point. But um, so that pressure was, was real. It, it, got, it may have felt more real to you. And, and how did you... Uh, overcome uh, those times, your teenage, the times where we're kind of learning about who we really are, right? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Good question. It's, um, it's a process, right? I mean, it's, um, I guess, the same with music and always pushing for something, we're never going to be there, because as soon as you reach your goal, the goal changes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's much easier to see who I was a couple of years ago than it is to see who I am now. That's yes. just always, you know, hindsight is is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and I think it's okay to live like that. I still feel like I don't really know who I am. Um, I have been through a big period of searching for that actively as well, not not just finding it. I think I've never found it, mm-hmm. but searching I've definitely done. Um, I think I'm really, I'm I'm optimistic as a person. I love everything to do with life. I want to try and do it all. Mm -hmm. I, my first teacher used to tell me that he was so proud that he'd never done any work that was outside of playing guitar. He was really proud of that. And I didn't like that idea. I thought you're here once, try and do it all. I mean, you've only got one chance. You've got one shot. When you're a kid, the world's so wide open. Mm. And of course we don't know who we are. We're just trying on different suits of people that we meet. And um, I definitely did a lot of that as a teenager. I'd meet a cool person and kind of assimilate their personality for a while. And then I'd find another way, another person to... But I think that's also okay. You know, you find a lot, you find a lot out about yourself mm-hmm. in the people that you think are cool. <laughs> I yeah. say this a lot. I don't think it made it to the, I think it's somewhere on the the edit floor of the podcast with Evan, but we were uh-huh. talking about, we talked about this, you know, when you go out to a bar or you go to a restaurant, nobody's being themselves. Everybody's being a better version of themselves. And yet we're all different. Every character is different. Oh, yeah. There's no best person. We all have a different idea of what it means to be the best version of ourselves. Um, and yeah, that's a fluid thing as well. I think, um, anyway, I'm not answering your question. Your question was, how did you overcome those things? Time. I overcame everything 
pretty much that I've been through my life just by waiting it out by having that little bit of hope burning inside of me that one day this these things would be different if it was something really awful that I was dealing with some really negative feelings it was thinking that one day those feelings that I have now will be irrelevant to me my life will exist without this yeah um yeah and I think that's something if I have to give advice, people often ask that, what's your one piece of advice? Yes. It's always that, you know, time does a lot. You, mm. you know, we, we don't stay the same. We don't make the same decisions. And um, based on one day to the next, what is it? Every seven years, you're a completely different set of cells. So, of course, things change wow. and we react differently to different, um, different contexts that we're put in. Time does a lot. So time yeah you 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 hit it right on the head it's uh yeah time is magic and i haven't i hadn't heard of what you just said every seven years uh that we go through complete restructure of the cells <laughs> that's uh that's very interesting to me um as you were explaining uh your challenges and the ups and downs and in and, and how time helped heal all of that and and it still does right because mm-hmm. um i think in your uh last podcast with evan you guys were talking about humility as part of the uh one of the big lessons i feel is uh and it's easily forgotten um in my own experience right it it mm-hmm. can be and i think it comes from when you taste a little bit of success or even a lot um it's that's actually the the first step and and um i think for me uh being a vocalist from a young age i i kind of tasted that success as a young kid of mm-hmm. of course within the uh the structure of my home and the extended family and and that's why i asked if you had influences within the family because um i know that can be even um tougher to pursue something that uh otherwise your family doesn't connect with um mm-hmm. at first right um but it seems like they've they've uh, allowed you to pursue that as a young uh young kid growing into your teenage years and and beyond and mm-hmm. thank god that they did right because <laughs> it's yeah, uh parents have been fantastic they've um they've always supported me I think when I grew up, I had a real sense that I, if I could find something that I enjoyed, something that I was good at and that I could do well, there would be no, um, there would be nothing that my parents wouldn't support me through. Um, But having that thing and finding something to be good at, something you think you can do something Mm -hmm. with, that was important. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, I think that's really good parenting. That's something I think about for the future as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, pushing your kids to f- to find something because it makes your job easier, I think, as well as the parent because then your kids want to do stuff. That's easy. You're not yeah. kicking them out of the house, you know. It's uh, <laughs> it's the other way around. You're trying to catch them back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very true. It's very true. <laughs> I um, No, I, I agree with that. And uh, But as far as the uh humility for myself i i kind of uh uh had some success in my early 20s i'm 35 now but in my early 20s i um i was with the band and you know uh we pursued i pursued the more um rock and roll lifestyle and and i i did learn uh classical singing and uh opera and all that in college however it was uh <clears throat> you know my i think for lack of a better term my bread and butter was uh singing and pop and that was my mm-hmm. passion and my influence would and i wanted to ask you this uh in just a second but one of my biggest influences i would say that made me or gave me clarity to to pursue music seriously and singing seriously was freddie mercury and i ironically you know uh i know you had brian may on your uh, podcast which was a gem to listen to um and yeah it it was just it was almost it was more than me- his musical 
uh, excellence that I um, was inspired by, it was his, his struggles and him, uh, you know, being a son of Persian parents like myself and leaving uh, the country of Iran for him, Zanzibar was where he went to pursue his passions and, and his struggles with, you know, having to make his parents proud. His dad wasn't always on board with, you know, him pursuing music. Um, long-winded, I know I'm, uh, it's just, I get passionate about speaking about Freddie because it's just, it was, you know, it was one of my reasons, main reasons to pursue. And um, point being that, I uh, I had some success after you know having that drive uh, through his influence, um, and in the back of my mind it was always you know what would Freddie do at this moment? What would Freddie? And of course you don't know, but I had to separate that, and that was the hum- uh, humility lesson that I had to learn is that yes, you know um, there are a million reasons why I'm influenced by him. But at the end of the day, I'm not him and I'm and I have to be me. And and what would what would Pej do in that situation? Not, you know, what would Freddie do? Because it almost became it was it would have been fanatical at some point with if if I let myself get lost in that. Um, mm-hmm. So mistakes were made uh, in my practice as a uh, rock front man. But. Uh, you know, I'm still friends with the band. We are all, you know, good friends and we still keep in touch. Uh, but it was, um, not until recently, and I'm talking about 10 years later, which is now, um, have I really made sense of this idea of humility because, and I, and I'm open about, you know, seeing a therapist. It's, I'm very open, uh, about, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, the struggles of being a musician and, and being in the limelight and trying to uh, find that balance now being married and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, support my family at the same time and, and, and still pursue my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it all came down to, and then my, my therapist worded it perfectly. He said, uh, your struggle is dealing with mediocrity. You, mm-hmm. you, he said, things can be mediocre when they, when things are mediocre for you, you almost don't know what to do. And, and he was hundred percent right. It was, it was the, it was that for me ever since the band went on hiatus, it was okay. Now what, now what do I do? Right. So the normal, you know, what is very normal to everybody for me felt almost like hell. So it was um, and I had to be at peace with that. That's okay. And now recently I have been right. It, I finally came to that uh, re- uh, realization that mm-hmm. everything is okay. And to go full circle, time allowed for that, right? Um, no matter how hard things could have been in my mid twenties, time has gotten me to this point where I can be almost smiling at at those experiences as opposed to being bitter so mm-hmm. like you said positivity so what are um what were some of your influences outside of family mm. um my teachers my first teachers mm. i suppose yeah influences that you don't look for but that you get for free people who are <laughs> around you um i'm a big believer in uh, you know surrounding yourself with people who inspire you in all kinds of different ways mm. um doesn't have to be people that you know personally this is going to sound crazy i was listening to an episode of the knowledge project which is a fantastic podcast okay. um really wonderful they talk about all kinds of things mental models and people who get ahead in business and why um but it's not annoying because the way i've introduced that makes it sound annoying um (laughs) it's just all about the the way that people work and you know which things got them to where they are now and somebody i don't remember who was talking about this idea that they um have created this board of directors in their life so they give 12 seats out to figures people who it can perhaps be like your mum 
and then for you maybe it would be you know your uh, yeah your mum and then Freddie Mercury what would these people do in these situations and every day you work to make that board of directors proud and when you have a big question come up a crossroads what do I have to do now thinking okay what would all these people do imagine that you're trying to consult with those people um influences is a hard one really I I feel like I'm such a sponge in all aspects of things I like to take in anything I, I like anything I just I like it all like I said before I, I just like being alive I find it really pleasant yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I like all the things you know it can be from somebody that you've known all of your life who's been a huge influence to you in a mm -hmm. musical way to the funny way you see a person you don't know handling a situation you know mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. often happens to us in a sort of negative way we'll see somebody doing something in public and we think oh I hope I'll never be like that that's just mm -hmm. as much an influence as somebody that you follow the example of um negative examples and positive examples all the same um yeah, yeah it's it's really fascinating um life <laughs> but uh yeah I don't know real influences I guess it's hard to say I've been lucky to have a lot of very talented friends a lot of people around me who've done a lot of crazy things mm -hmm. um Brian May's a good example people who've experienced the kind of life that so many of us won't have access to yeah um you know I mean it's but it's been big for me to realize also through meeting a lot of people who are high-profile individuals and celebrities, people who um, have influenced the lives of people in a very active way around the world that they will never meet. Yeah. Um, and to realize at the end of all of that, that we all have the same kind of worries, the same kind of joys, um, we live the same kind of life, we have the same kind of totality. Um, it sounds a bit depressing, but it, it's true. You know, we, we struggle with the same things, really. Yeah. Um, money, fame, having the feeling that you've done something like that. It also doesn't even necessarily count towards this life satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important to take away as well. It's something that took me a long time to realize. I used to think, do this. I remember I had a really difficult time in my first year of university. Um, I'd been at music school for seven years before that, and I'd been working on this one trajectory. I knew where I was going, mainly because I had a teacher who was telling me sort of what to do all the time. Like he, he was giving me this clear booklet, you have to do that, you have to play like that. And I left, I moved to a new teacher who was quite high profile as an individual himself, and who wasn't kind of up in my business all the time. He was, it was more like masterclass style. He'd come in, tell me his thoughts and it was my own journey, but I hadn't been used to that. I've been used to someone else doing it all for me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, if that's what you're used to, that's kind of what you do. So I, I was left at 18, having had the first portion of my career, let's say with people telling me how fabulous I was and how amazing and having this little, always on the other side, you know, so on the flip of the coin, being incredibly insecure, not knowing, thinking that you had this X factor, but really not knowing how to cultivate it. Mm -hmm. um, I think of it like George's Marvelous Medicine. I don't know if you know that story. I don't. Dahl. It's about a boy who goes throughout the house while his evil grandmother is sitting downstairs and he makes a potion to give to her out of all different kinds of things. And um, he, I think he gives it to a cat or something and the cat grows really huge but this is useful for them because they own a farm mm. um so they think okay great this is great we'll make huge cows and, and huge chickens and then we you know it's a children's story <laughs> <laughs> um and then he has to go back through the house and try and find the concoction he made the first time just chucking things in Mm -hmm. And and of course he can't find it. They all have different effects after that. Mm. And my childhood with music felt a lot like that. I thought I'd done something great the first time, but I didn't know how I'd got there. And mm. then when it was my responsibility, I had no idea. And I mean, no idea. 
I didn't know what music I liked. I didn't know what I liked to play like. I didn't enjoy the process very much also because everything was quite painful and mm-hmm. I'd been under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and joining conservatory at 18 with a lot of people who were so excited to start and to get on with their work. And I just felt like I was in a kind of burnout, not really knowing what to do. I I remember... Yes. So having got to university, yeah. feeling that I was in this first year full of excitement, and mm-hmm. everybody um, wanting it so much and having the chance to try and go for it for the first time in their lives. Mm. I sat there feeling like I just wasn't even sure if I wanted to do this anymore. Mm. And I remember sitting in my room all alone in The Hague in the Netherlands <laughs> and writing in my phone in the notes section if you're not doing it for the right reasons, do it for the wrong reasons. I felt like I'd spent so much time that people were waiting on, like people were expecting something from yeah. me. Um, I thought that my first teachers would be so disappointed in me if I didn't continue. Mm. And it was a really, really bitter pill for me to swallow that actually nobody was waiting for me to do this. It was my my first teacher in university who told me, if it's life or death for you, you shouldn't be in this game because it's not right that on the coin toss of a bad concert, you feel this bad. Um, and at the time, I just internalized that as a kind of, you shouldn't be doing this, you're not good enough. It was a sort of, I think classical music especially, but a lot of music disciplines have an issue with this kind of deification of what we do. Yeah. This idea that you're serving something greater than you. And an X, if you like, because mm-hmm. we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. All, all, almost all musicians are a little skeptical of religion. So it's not that. It's not mm-hmm. a God. It's something. It's a question mark. Uh-huh. And that in itself is very, very difficult to strive towards. And I think it's a reason a lot of people suffer with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's imp- what was important for me at that time, I went through this for two or three years. I really, I suffered very much and it got into even like a physical, um, physical feeling of anxiety and panic. I had panic for so long um, because I just felt like my life was slipping through my fingers. But at that time, what was really of great importance for me was to sit back and to wonder what I actually wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And what was it that got me to this point? Yeah. Was it merely coincidence? And if it is merely coincidence, is that okay? Yeah. Um, at any age, you can choose to get off the train you're on and hop into another one. That's completely fine. Yeah. Just because you're not 16 anymore or 10 years old anymore it doesn't mean that you can't spend as long if not twice as long doing something else that you might love and it took me a long time to realize that this is really my life and um, everybody else in that life is temporary except me Um, it's really hard when you are an insecure teenager and Mm. when you're trying to find who you are and you have no idea at all to try and do what you want. Yeah. It's almost impossible as a task because you don't know who you are. Um, but if you wait a little bit and see how old you get <laughs> and then look back, you can see all along that maybe these things were pointing in a certain direction. And the reason I wanted to say this with the influences thing is that um, the money, the fame, the recognition, even the recognition from people you respect, it's not it if it doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. And having met a lot of people who have all of those things, that's been really shaping in my life and in my journey, especially in the last couple of years, um, because it just makes you realize that there's something else out there that you have to go for. You, you want to sit there if you're lucky enough to get to the end of a long life and think that not that you took every chance because people say that a lot. Yeah. Um, but that you did something that made you happy at the time, even if it doesn't make you happy then. But now, what's the thing that you want? Following that fire, following that little heat map of where you think you need to be. Um, because I promise, like, not everybody feels 
the same as you do. We all have different talents for a reason. And something that I, I will say, and then I'll let you ask or say something. <laughs> so it's been long. No, um, but um, one, the thing that really got me into the podcast, into writing, mm-hmm. into everything, mm-hmm. I was on Instagram and I saw one picture, a text post. And it said, nothing good ever comes from comfort zones. And there was something about that that didn't sit well with me. And it took me a long time to work it out. I've worked it out now why I felt so strange about that. Mm -hmm. It's because comfort zones are different for everybody. And the reason that that zone is comfortable for you is because it's something you're good at. So actually staying within that comfort zone and finding how can I expand the boundaries of this zone and make it slightly bigger so we have a little bit more room to move? How can I bring other people into my comfort zone? How can we combine our different comfort zones to make something great? Those are the things that are really valuable. And this idea, this rhetoric of get outside of what makes you feel comfortable is stupid because really... Doing something brave is different than doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. You should always live your life doing things that make you feel comfortable because then you can have a life like us where we do something for a living that doesn't feel like ever, I don't know, it never feels like I hate it. Yes. Even if I, you know, even if I get up one day and I think the last thing I want to do is play guitar right now, or I really don't want to do this concert, I'd rather get hit by a bus. I mean, all these things, you know, um, (laughs) Either way, I I never hate it. It's always that love like you have with somebody that you've been with for a long time or with your parents when you're 15 or 16. You love them, but it's just, it's been enough now. (laughs) I need a couple of weeks away from you. And and like those things are completely fine. Yeah. Um, But it's just understanding that that's still love, that's still within your comfort zone. Um, we need to get better at searching for the red flags of when things actually are not something we enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> <there you> <laughs> <No, laughs> it's it beautifully said. It, uh, and it's interesting, the, the concept of comfort versus uncomfort. I always have associated that with, for myself, to some level of anxiety and fear um, and, and not having control. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't have control anymore over over my life. And I feel mm-hmm. when you were mentioning that, you know, going through days where you sometimes don't want to play guitar, not because you don't love it, but maybe because the process of why the the why as to why we play, why you play guitar, why I sing, the process of uh why we even enjoy music, uh simply put. Um that was the test I went through and it seems you've gone through um, when I was touring and I was doing what I thought would make me happy and, and comfortable. Um, and I, I feel that when I started doing it for others and, and I started in my own head, of course, right? When my head, I, I'm doing, I'm practicing because like you said, I have this expectation from other people, which is not true. It's what what I have expected from me myself, yeah. and, and we're our. I do believe in the in the saying that you know we're our own worst critic, because I I can I can do that to myself, and and I've gotten better at at uh, praising myself more recently, being being okay with uh, the present and and not obsessing about where's the future going, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I feel that was that was a huge um, step for me to to understand mm-hmm. that and and being okay with where things are now, and and like you said, uh, there every quote unquote struggle we go through is actually just an opportunity to grow. That's how I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I think it takes a while to to think that way. Actually, um, yeah, I think something that is worth saying here as well is that critiquing in itself is not a negative word um Mm. and we've all met people like that people who just hate everything about everything (laughs) that's not a good opinion that doesn't mean you have taste it just means you like nothing right (laughs) A, a good opinion good taste 
something that we should try be trying to cultivate as we get older is what are the nuanced things when you mm -hmm. you know for instance if you a wine connoisseur is not mm -hmm. somebody who goes into a restaurant tries every sip of wine and doesn't like any of them It's somebody who knows what they're looking for. They mm -hmm. say, hmm, I like the woody part of this wine, but it's a little bit too sharp for me. Do you have some? That's a connoisseur. That's somebody who knows. Yeah. And we have to do that in our practice. We have to do that in our own playing. If you just say that you don't like anything, then essentially you're a layman because not liking anything is as good as liking everything. So when you're not accepting anything, you're accepting everything. Mm. So finding that nuance and start with something small. That I think that's key. Yeah. Start with something small. Before you start practicing, think, I want to find that warm tone today. And wow. let the rest slide. Yeah. But find that warm tone. And that's how you get to cultivate your practice. That's how you get to be a connoisseur of your own style. And then when you hear someone else play, you're not thinking, oh, I don't like that person as a knee-jerk reaction to something but you can say i like this i like that take away what you like um i think that's really important because we all know it in music especially classical those people who are like no 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 and the fact is probably you will prefer what you would do anyway just because mm. we're all so different we've all listened to a different amount of records some of us are crazy about Haitink, some are crazy about abado it's you know it's different they're all great um yeah finding what you what you're looking for it helps for not being so judgmental and uh -huh. on other people mm -hmm. and um <clears throat> when you're not judgmental of other people <clears throat> excuse me you um you're less judgmental of yourself in a bad way in a non a non-constructive way mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. judgmental in a constructive way is important um but yeah. not liking everything and it's just abusive to yourself too but that's <laughs> not the reason you know i think <clears throat> it's worth having a reason that strives for greatness yeah. that makes you happier. That That's good because just saying, oh, I'm not going to critique myself because otherwise it gives me an unhealthy relationship with myself yeah. is even though, of course, that's completely valid. But we know for a musical audience that that's not going to sit because it's like, yeah, but I want to push. Yeah. Yes. Pushing requires you to be nuanced and to look into the detail. The devil's yeah. there. The devil's in the detail. So we really need to <laughs> be a connoisseur, not just a hater, <laughs> a troll to yourself. <laughs> uh, very, no, it's uh, very well put. New, nuanced and um, I guess the word I would use in the same line is organized, being organized yeah. enough being organized enough in, in your mind um, to not grab at everything thinking to that. And you, again, you've already, you've already very well, uh, very clearly um, explained this, but grabbing at everything to find it is not the way find it, then start looking for it within the fields of <laughs> choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you need a spectrum. Anybody who's taught a class to somebody lovely will know that mm -hmm. you cannot sit there and tell them a hundred things that you would change, even if the playing is basic and, and not good and not something that you like. Mm -hmm. um, you need to give people a, a spectrum. You need to say to them, I don't like this because I would rather it was this. Yeah. So often what we get used to, me included, with my first teacher was I knew what I shouldn't do. I, I always knew what I shouldn't do. There was a thousand things I shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. But there were very few things that I was trying to do. It was all trying to avoid mistakes rather <laughs> yeah. than actually doing something good. You know, we rarely yeah. do preventative work. We, we rarely practice and sit down and think about what we, we talked about this with Evan, but we rarely sit down and think about what we want to get out of this mm -hmm. before we start playing or before we start singing or before we start doing the thing that we are here to practice. Yeah. We rarely sit there and think, this might be a problem, I should watch out for that. We always do it and then we police ourselves. We sit there like, that wasn't good, I need to work on that. Yeah. Just don't make the mistake in the first place, much easier. <laughs> Try, <laughs> I mean, yeah, all these things sound... Um, sort of idealistic and a bit flippant in a way, but I do 
I do think there's something there. I think there's something there when you're teaching someone else, you see it and you yep. should teach yourself the same way. So you make a mistake. Okay, fine. Or maybe not even a mistake, but you play something loud that you want to be quiet. Mm -hmm. That's important. It's important that you know that it's instead of loud, I want it to be quiet. Or right. instead of louder, I want it to be quieter. Because if you just spend your whole life saying, I just don't want it to be loud. Yeah. There's so many other things it could be. Oh so my God. many. Yeah. There's no blanket statement for, for life. <laughs> it's or any practice. You're right. Hmm. Um well I've kept you way longer than I promised, so I apologize. My... <laughs> that was really inspiring. I, I had a lot of nice ideas here. <laughs> no, I I appreciate your time. Uh I guess I wanna end it on this note, and that is um what are what are what's coming up for you um that you'd like to share with the audience mm, that's a good question well um perhaps another lockdown how exciting um <laughs> no we struggled Hopefully here um, not. what have i got going on in my life at the moment concerts in various places i don't post a lot about concerts on instagram just mm -hmm. because I don't like seeing it on other people's Instagrams. That's the only reason why. I think it's not good for your mental health to see all this. <laughs> I won this. I did that. No, yeah. I'm not interested. Okay. Um, if you want to find out about concerts, um, then either Facebook or my website, which is currently being renovated from a restaurant website into a okay. website we can use. Uh, okay, uh, great. I no longer am going to live my life as a performance art installation in a website. Got it. <laughs> because I couldn't make the website properly. Um, so, yeah, you can find me at Rosie Bennett Guitar uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time when I'm online. Um, and, yeah, the podcast, Fret Nuts, we've had – I mean, I, I never thought when, when – you know, the, the podcast came out of wanting to have more conversations that were about how to do it how to live this life because it's complicated being a musician and being an yeah. artist being someone who's a searcher and um you know and i just i thought that every interview we were always talking about how difficult it was for you and how you got to where you are now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just wanted more conversations that were like i still don't know you yeah. know yeah. that's really important it was important for me to hear those things mm -hmm. i thought there was a space for that um, and the response has been incredible and we've had some really, really wonderful interviews. Been lucky to have people like Brian May on talking about, you know, everything really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the podcast, I, I'd love it if more people listen. I think what we're doing is really important and mm -hmm. um, it gives you a lot of tips for how to get on, how to feel better about your life and get on with it and do it better how to feel better about doing something better i think that's uh, that's key um yeah. so yeah i think that's pretty much everything and you can um this is just going to come out as a weird plug for tone base but um <laughs> you can find all of the articles that i write about memory about focus about everything on the tone base blog um, yes so, yeah, you can read almost 100 things I've written for them. I need to stop talking eventually. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen, but there's nothing yet. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, definitely um, definitely uh, go ahead and, and follow uh, Rosie Bennett's work on Instagram um, and Tone Bass's blog. Uh, I have read a couple of the excerpts. Very well done. Um, her podcast, Fret Not Pod. Uh, amazing podcast and it is uh, it is something important and I agree with you about uh, needing to have conversations um, one of my main reasons here and it all stemmed from the pandemic believe it or not for me mm -hmm. because it was uh, it was an opportunity again I've, I've gotten better at seeing things as opportunities as opposed to Oh well, this sucks, right? I I yeah. I just <laughs> I'm I've learned. Mm -hmm. It took time, as we've discussed. But yes, purity for me was the main motive was to have pure conversations about what's real and what what's actually happening, um, mm -hmm. and what uh, and then mental health and and um, I think the best way to do that is to learn from all walks of life, um, and 
learn about people from other sides of the world and and see their experiences and mm-hmm. and learn from them um because at the end of the day i feel that's all i can do is is learn um i can have fun with it and enjoy that or i can fight it um i'd rather enjoy it so and i've really enjoyed this conversation rosie thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on I appreciate your time. Um, it's starting to get later for you, and I don't want to keep you too much in hunger. Um, thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in. This has been episode 35. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Maniac is my handle. And, of course, Fumble Podcast on my YouTube channel. Thank you, guys, and I will catch you on the next one.